Summer, summer, summer. We're not gonna take it. That's that summer song, right? We're not. Go- yeah, it's like an out-of-school song for sure. I feel it is, right? I guarantee that shit was going on in this when that song came out. Seventies. Uh, eighties. That was an eighties song 80s for sure. Eighties hair song. Hundred percent. Yo, what's a summer song for you? What reminds summer you of song summer? for me, man. You know, Snoop Dogg. You know, Beautiful by Snoop Dogg. That's okay. a summer song to me. You know, that's a great. You go, song. You're going to the beach. You got the lady friends with you. You're just having a great time. You're drinking. Yo, and if you wear like a time. button shirt, well, like just an actual shirt, that's what they call it. Are you are you taking off the first couple buttons? This oh summer? come on, man! You know I'm taking off all the buttons. Well, come all on, the man. buttons, man. Hey, man. Taking the ball Chill. off. Let's Chill, go, man. Let's go, man. <laughs> Silky and filthy, where we talk a lot of hockey and a whole lot of bullshit. Gives it away, Horvat centers, Patterson scores! Politely, why would I be polite with you? Are you kidding me? Both guys, five minutes each for fighting! Never look yourself in the mirror, right? You're always good, you never make the mistakes. Yeah, you know, they're a good team. They're a good team. They're a good team. They play hard. Obviously, they're a good team. They have a lot of good players. You're about to listen to some puck talking bullshit. Welcome to another episode of Silky and Filthy with your host, Trevor Beggs. Welcome all you silky studs to the silky and filthy summer tour. You know, hockey news, we're past free agency now. It's starting to dry up a bit. It's starting to dry up heat-wise, man. Like, seriously, it's it's, it's been scorching, man. Let's go. Summertime, baby. But you summertime, know what? baby, man. I, I know summertime, sometimes you got to relax. You got to take some time to yourself. But summertime's also good for a little education, man. Sometimes you got to ma- make sure you're still stimulating the mind. You're still learning some things. Yeah, go read some books. Read some books or... Listen to this episode of Silky and Filthy because Dude, we're tell, gonna, him, tell him how good that Aaron Hernandez book was, man. <laughs> the Aaron Hernandez book, yeah, you're right. It's uh, a New York Times bestseller. It's <laughs> it's, it's an amazing book, man. I love every book's a New York Times bestseller. I feel like that. Well, this one's uh, <laughs> what does a, that mean? A real prominent New York Times uh, bestseller. Okay, you think, <laughs> it, you think it's sick, right? Yeah, it's an amazing book. Yeah, if you're it's not it's not an easy read, but uh, it's definitely definitely one worth reading, and it'll definitely be worth listening to this episode. On how to rebuild a hockey team. We got a little yin and yang today. I think we all know the smart way to rebuild a hockey team, Kyle. Is to load up on draft picks. Uh, to not make sudden moves to improve in the present. Always keep that long-term vision. And we got two great examples of what to do and what not to do in the NHL. With Jim Benning, the Vancouver Canucks. And Jeff Gordon and the New York Rangers. And we're going to have Andrew Chelney on from the Chell Squared Podcast. To talk about Jeff Gordon and the successful rebuild in New York. But let's backtrack a bit to how things have gone in Vancouver with the Canucks rebuild. Are you ready for this, Kyle? Are you gonna are you gonna shed a few tears? Are you gonna throw the microphone? Are you gonna are you gonna rip the Hawaiian shirt off or what? Come on, man. You just you just taking shots every single episode. Trevor Beggs, the evolution of Trevor Beggs, taking shots every single episode. It's 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 amazing. It's fascinating. Shots Captain Moe's though for sure. It, you sound frustrated. This is how we're starting out the summer. We're talking about rebuilds. Rebuilds, and you know why? Because in the summer, this is when you really got to look back, analyze the team, and if you're gonna make some moves, it's it's a perfect time. So many hungry, hungry teams at the trade deadline. You got half the league, or a little more than half the league, that are hungry. Right now, it's like open season, so make your move, do your thing, start the rebuild in the summer. That's what I'm saying, man. And 
and the Rangers, everyone's talking about them. I'm still, I'm still waiting to see, man. Wait and see, but I'm liking what I'm seeing. It's looking good on paper. Hey, man, that's two crazy rebuilding moves in terms of getting Panera and getting Truba. You know, even trading for Adam Fox. They've done some great work lately. Uh, still a little bit of work to go, but here's the thing about Jeff Gordon and Jim Benning. It's almost like they consider themselves in the same position. You know, both teams have the idea that the heavy lifting is done and it's time to work upwards. They both built up a young stable of prospects. But here's the thing is that, you know, J- Jim Benning's like, it's, it's like driving a standard car where you don't know what you're doing and you're stalling every two minutes. You're just sputtering along the way, whereas Jeff Gordon has just been smooth sailing for him. He's made great moves all along, compiled the draft picks. But you know, I, I kind of want to go back to where this all started with the Vancouver Canucks. We'll and start from there. We'll start from there with both teams, right? Start from the beginning. Because it's funny to look at how the Canucks and Rangers started this whole thing at at different times. But no, they, they actually they actually were like at the same situation. I think but, the Canucks were there a few years earlier. Yeah, though. but yeah. the Rangers could have done the same thing if they just stayed the course. You know, that they would have turned into the Canucks. They just stopped it. They were they're kind of doing the same same on the ice, you know. But they're just like, nah, nah, this is not good enough. We started we started from the bottom, kind of, not really, but kind of, and it worked, man. You want to talk about a Truba trade or any trade that they're they're trying to make, whether it be with Fox, a, a young up and coming player, or they're trying to they're trying to land a big fish. They got assets. They actually got things to make trades. Once you're short on those, you can't really make trades if you're in a, if you're in a position of being one of the worst teams in the league, and that and that's what the Canucks have been for for a long time. They can't do it. They can't make those trades. They don't have the assets. Yeah, and that's and that's what you do in a smart rebuild, right? I think for the Rangers, it started when they traded, you know, Mickey Zibanejad for Mickey Zibanejad got a second round pick in that deal. But who made the other? The, okay, think important. about that. Dorian I mean, made that trade, right? Yeah, he's lucky, man. That was a dumb trade from the start. Zibanejad showed. Showed some signs at that stage of his career. And you really have to give that up for Derek Broussard. I, I didn't really get the trade at the time. And, and look, look at it now. Jabinajad is, is a great player. He's a great, great top six player. Uh, upper tier in, in that tier. Crazy player. Why did they make that trade? Dorian, man. Should the Rangers be thinking Dorian? I think so, man. Well, here's the thing, right? If you're a smart GM, you got to prey on the GMs that aren't very good. And uh, Dorian's got that label for sure, man. But that's the thing, right? With the Rangers, even before they released, this is two years before they released the letter. They're already making moves that signify a repo, getting assets, getting a younger player with more potential. You, you know, you, you look at Jim Benning, the Canucks, and actually, I even want to go back to Mike Gillis because at the end of the day, I do think it comes back to ownership, man. Ah, you're bringing it. Oh, okay. It comes back to ownership, I right? I thought you were going to blame everything Mike, on Gillis. Then. Mike Gillis went to the owners before he got fired and suggested, and he said this on TSN 1040 before, he suggested... <laughs> That the team needed to be rebuilt and that they needed to start selling assets to start stockpiling draft picks. He said this to the ownership. Francis Gordon Aquilini. If, if you're not from Vancouver, sorry to cut you off, Trevor. You just brought up Gillis on the radio. If you're not from Vancouver and you've never heard Mike Gillis on the radio over the last, what, 12 to 16 months, 12 to 18 months, go listen to those interviews. Sick Harrison Price, TSN. They just, they're just interesting because he's so honest. And who knows if he's actually being honest. He's just telling a good story. And yeah, he wanted the rebuild earlier, but but Vancouver ownership wanted Tortorella. Yeah, it's a believable story, man, because, you know, soon enough, Gills was out, Benning was in. And what did Benning say as soon as he was hired? This is a team that can be turned around in a hurry. Well, <laughs> that, and that's pretty much what he said throughout the whole thing, right? But, you know, you look at these smooth moves the Rangers have made, and, and, and we're going to get into it. But I think there, there was a few missteps early on 
in Benning's tenure. And of course, like they made the playoffs right away. You know, the only really move, the only moves they made that really signified a rebuild early on were trading Kessler and Bieksa. And Kessler, they were completely forced into. Bieksa, they got a second round pick for a declining player. Not bad. But you know, they they signed for Bad and Miller. That actually worked out. Mm -hmm. You know, the Canucks made the playoffs for one year. But after that, it was just misstep after misstep. You know, they. They trade Nick Bino for Brandon Sutter and then signed for that extension. That was the first big misstep of the Benning administration. Uh, again, when the Canucks should have been rebuilding, they're trading for guys like Brett. They were just Sutter. trying to go faster. Exactly. Impatient. Exactly. But, but let's say this, okay? Again, Jim Benning, in my opinion, one of the worst general managers in the league. He's he's on a good run right now, and he's probably going to get to the finish line and becoming one of the the worst. Oh no, the worst Vancouver Canucks GM of all time. He's going there. He's getting there. It's been a long time. At that time, though, Jim Benning had the Sedins. And it goes back to what what Minnesota may be trying to do with Parise and Suter. Do you feel like do you feel like you owe the players something? Could could they have given up on Henrik and Daniel at that stage in their careers? They could have been bold, they could have been harsh, but we're talking about Jim Benning. He's not he's not thinking like that. He's not elite like that. It wasn't surprising. I'm just not surprised. Looking back at it, not surprised. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? Even when he did try to integrate younger players into the lineup, and this falls back on the coaching staff, but even I think forcing Vertan into McCann was a misstep in the rebuild as well because neither of those players were ready. And I know, you know, Benning was always talking about building the depth. Didn't do a good job of it then. And, you know, they, they put these guys in situations that they weren't ready for. It hurt the team that year. Yeah. And another misstep too, right? I'm Again, it's... It's guys like Brandon Sutter. It's the bad trades. It's the trades they didn't make. Look, Dan Hamhuis could have traded him, didn't. Whose fault was that, though? Was that... This, I mean, the Canucks could have jumped on a first crazy. rounder from Chicago, I'm looking right? back at this. Is this is this Willie D's fault? Partly. <laughs> but, I mean, Benning's the <laughs> one Willie making D the moves <laughs> at the end of the day. He's That's the one crazy. The Canucks have literally had one of the worst GMs in the league and one of the worst coaches in the oh, league. Oh, nice guy. But don't say that about nice guy, Willie, man. I, I wonder how his summer's uh, going in Climax, Saskatchewan. No, he's back, and he's and he's a good junior coach. Yeah. but Closer to Climax than Medicine like, Hat. He, can't, he hasn't been able to do it. It's, he's gotten two good chances to just prove himself as a coach. If, if there's, some, there's some... I get what he's trying to do. He's trying to be that coach that gets the best out of his players, right? There, there are some coaches that are able to go to bad teams and get them to the playoffs. Willie T had to, had to do that, and he, he couldn't. He couldn't. When is this guy going to get hired to coach a good team? <laughs> it's going to take a while. It, it, maybe never. Well, maybe I, never. Yeah, he's he, he stuck in the cycle. He wasn't a great coach, but here's the thing, too. You look at his last season in Vancouver 2016-2017. The Canucks still had never admitted to rebuilding. You know, they sucked through that entire season. Willie really had to play guys like Shapu and Magna for 60-70 games. Like It was a joke of a team. But it wasn't even until after the 2016-17 season where they finished second last that Linden finally admitted that the team is rebuilding. It took them that long to even admit to the rebuild. <laughs> Meanwhile, at the time, Jeff Gordon's just starting to trade away Mickey Zibanejad, and the Rangers are already on the way to a rebuild before even announcing the rebuild in the first place. Damn, man. You're getting emotional, man. If you're, I wish you were here right now. Trevor's just getting emotional. He's getting angry. Talk more about the damn Rangers. Get some positivity in here. Okay, so they got Jabinajad. Who else did they get around that stretch? Like, what was happening with the Rangers? Because Vigneault was still there. Well, I think the other big re rebuilding move for them was, you know, obviously they sold off Rick Nash, but they traded Def Derek Stefan as well. Antti Ranta, they got the seventh overall pick. 
you know, they've always just been making moves like that, collecting draft picks. You know, they traded guys like Jimmy VC, Kevin Hayes. You know, they're, they're trading assets, Matt Zuccarello, another one. They're making moves. They're making moves, right? They know which players they get rid of. Even right now, you look at the Rangers roster, almost no one signed past this season. Like they've got a lot of flexibility if they want to drastically shake up their team again. But again, it's a lot of young players that they probably plan on keeping. Yeah, it's it's it must be the way this dude negotiates. He just he just better than other GMs because he's getting his way. He's figuring it out. And the fans are still gonna be patient. Now, Trevor, go back to that letter. What was that letter all about too? When it when it dropped uh, on the on the league, it was interesting. It was really never seen before. And it was a it was an original sixteen with Henrik Lundqvist on it. It kinda it kinda shocked the hockey world. But it, it was refreshing. It shocked the hockey world, but it was extremely refreshing, like you said. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth, man. You, know, you little Fucking thief. Sprite. It's you summer, little man. Thief. It's a best summer drink. Okay. Best summer alcoholic alcoholic beverage and then just you know, non alcoholic. You know. Alcoholic man who Pineapple ginger uh, ale. Man. That's all I'm saying. Try it out. Alcoholic, I do love like a good like gin and tonic in the summertime, you know. I'm going hardball. Um, non-alcoholic ice cream float, man. Come on. Let's get some Coca-Cola, some vanilla ice cream, classic. or some root beer. It's a classic. I haven't had one in a while. Oh man. It's I like know I hadn't 14. had a float in a while either. And I had one the other day with uh ginger ale and creamsicle ice cream. It was bomb. That'd dude. be a good date really idea good. too. Just pull out the fucking floats, you know? Yeah, I know you like to take girls to smoothie bars, man, but I think uh <laughs> oh. Ice cream floats are the way to go, man. I'm taking a go to A&W getting a root beer ice cream float on a hot day. That's for sure. Hey, man, I'm more romantic. I just make the fucking floats. Oh. There you go, even man. Even better, man. Seven, seven, eight. Got to cool things <laughs> down when things are getting heated. Heated at the pad. What? Weehoo! Oh. <laughs> Weehoo! You fucking learned that from me, man. Keeping the goatee in the summertime, man. That's a risky move, too. You know what? I can get a little sweaty under there sometimes, but uh, you're still rocking it. The goatee, yeah, you know. Yeah. <sighs> It's. I don't know what I'm gonna do with my facial hair, man. But when it bec- when it becomes important, you know, can actually stand there and be be respected. A decision's gonna have to be made. I have to decide right then. I don't want to be, you know. Just, I want to just keep it simple for, from that point. I want to look the same from that point on. You know, after I get the full beard, I want to make the decision. How do I want to look for the rest of my life? Just keep it simple, you know. I don't want to be growing a beard when I'm 60. You know, I don't want to go through a phase. Something might have happened, you know? Think about that. 60s. I'm just rambling, man. You hit 60, you're like, you know what? It's time to grow a beard. I think you should not <laughs> What are you going through? <laughs> that's, that's like a retirement crisis, you know what I mean? It's like, do I retire? Do I not retire? Yeah. And then you can't retire because you're only 60. Come on, man. We're not retiring 60. What are you talking about? Damn. No, you're planning, you're planning retiring at like 50, don't you? Yeah, yeah. What, you know, retire and then come back from retirement. You know, I'm a Packers fan. So, so think about that. I learned from Brett Favre. I get what he was trying to do. Gee, he just, you know, just wants to retire, to come back, retire, come back. I'm down and do that. That's kind of cool. It happens a lot in wrestling, too. It does. You can make it happen, man. Yo, did Peter Forsberg ever, did he come out of retirement? He did, right? For a bit. He tried again, right? I think he was just out for a year because of injury. From we have what to I look back on that, man. We have to look back on that. Talking about... Talk about Swedes. This is a segue right here. We experienced. We did this for a year straight. Vancouver had the Sedins. The Rangers had Lundqvist. And they still have Lundqvist during this rebuild. But he's like pretty much one of the only remaining pieces, right? Other than Mark Stahl. An important piece. Chris Kreider. Do you feel as if... No, they just got the right guy. I was going to ask if if that's why they're, they're accelerating it too. By getting guys like Panarin for Lundqvist. Doing it for him. But... 
I think I think they just got the right management. Everyone's on the same page. They're doing it for the for the betterment of the team. The the league is going to be a better place when the Rangers are good. When the city sees a good hockey team in New York, it's going to be you you saw what happened in the 90s. Like when the Rangers won the won the cup, they were they were talking about the NBA falling down, like falling down and the the NHL rising up. Think about that. That's crazy to think about. New York's a huge market, man. Yeah, Rangers. They're, they're gonna they're good for the league and regardless they're gonna be exciting next season. Like they're gonna be a fun team to watch. So young, so much speed. They got some really exciting players with Panarin, maybe like Kako and Kraftstov are two rookies who could play as well. Like they're gonna be a hell of a team to watch, man. Um, you know, smart drafting is part of the rebuild. That's one of the only things they can actually have in common with the Rangers, I guess. Uh, but the Rangers drafted Elias Anderson in twenty seventeen, two picks after Pedersen. Mm-hmm. That's like one of their maybe their only questionable moves. I think later in that draft, there are guys that uh, yeah. maybe have more potential than Elias Anderson, but um, whatever. I could ask Scott Pedersen. That, that was that's about the, o- that's about the only thing that, yeah. Interesting draft altogether. Swedes, man. There's been a lot of good Swedes on both these teams. Yeah, definitely, man. One Swede that wasn't good. I'm just going to wrap up a few of Benning's missteps because i got to mention two more big ones, and then we're going to get to Chelney for the Rangers' perspective. <laughs> Let's, do Let's do it. Okay, but, keep going. You know, I, Eric Branson from McCann was a huge misstep. For this organization yeah they turned him into tanner pearson but we had three years of eric abranson bad like <laughs> that was just a bad canucks hockey that was brutal uh the louis erickson had, signing as well like those happen think about that those happen within like almost a month of each other vancouver could have had jared mccann yeah wouldn't that be a, a nice top and six they'd still right find now? a way to get pearson you know if they had a, if they had an extra fourth round pick laying around they would have they would have got pearson still vancouver keep it going Oh, that, those are the big ones, man. And I mean, I think the July 1st, 2017, again, wasn't uh, the kind of free agency day that a rebuilding team does. Like Delzato, Nielsen, Gagne, Burmistrov, like all these, I guess they're low risk, but they were all just, they were all garbage signings. And Pro you know, scouting it, was horrible. Yeah, garbage it, signings. Couldn't even get assets for them. It's just not, it's not the, it's not the moves that a rebuilding team should make, right? Like they weren't going with you. They're trying to still like plug veterans in and hope to get, squeeze some last little bit out of these guys like Delzato and Shen and Gagne, you know? So, I mean, uh, again, just not rebuilding moves, man. Jeff Gordon has done it right. And we're going to let Andrew Chelney tell us all about it here on Silky and Filthy. All right. Joining me now on the Silky and Filthy podcast, we have the host of the Chell Squared podcast and our Silky and Filthy Rangers expert, Andrew Chelney. Now, Andrew, today we're talking about rebuilds. And as you know, Jim Benning has executed a, a less than ideal rebuild in Vancouver if he even rebuilt it all on the other hand your boy Jeff Gordon has done one of the most masterful rebuilds seen in recent memory uh, with the New York Rangers and I just wanted to ask you going back in a time machine here so February 8th 2018 Gordon writes the letter to the fans about the rebuild starting in your mind is that where the rebuild started or did it start earlier I mean first of all uh, you're you're doing terrible things to my ego by calling me an expert at something uh i think for the rangers that letter kind of symbolized the beginning of it it might not have been day one of the rebuild but i but in terms of symbolically where the start of the rebuild was then that letter was pretty much the beginning i mean the writing was on the wall that team you know in the 17 18 season wasn't great and you kind of got the sense that, okay, well, they're going to start probably selling and this is going to take a while and this and that. And then they put that letter out and then they started selling. 
but they didn't just you know sell and then try to be competitive or do something crazy like Jim Benning does. Uh, I don't get the the JT Miller trade for the Vancouver Canucks at all because while he's a great top six player and you and the Canucks need a top six player mm-hmm. like a JT Miller, you traded a first round pick for him, and I don't understand that at all. The the Lightning were in a cap crunch. They needed to get rid of JT Miller's contract. They did that, and not only that, they got a first-round pick in return. It's protected next season, but if it's but if they want to defer to 2021, it's unprotected. I can um, we figure it out, Vancouver? Unbelievable, I, that's, man. It's it's uh, not a good look for Jim Benning, but he's desperate. I I you know this is pure specu- speculation here, but I uh, would believe that if Vancouver doesn't make the playoffs this season, then he would lose his job, which is why I'm assuming he's kind of going all, uh, you know, full steam ahead here on the on the accelerated rebuild, which, again, if you're going to trade first-round picks, uh, probably shouldn't do it this year if you're Vancouver. And who knows if they're even going to be good two seasons down the road with the way Jim Benning is, is building this team. But for the Rangers, they pretty much announced this rebuild, and they did it the right way. By selling and getting a bunch of uh, prospects and picks, and through the draft and through, you know, getting all these picks and uh, and trading a couple of them if necessary, they traded up uh, last draft for K. Andre Miller, uh, and they won the lottery this season with Capocaco and all of that, and it's it's really been shaping up to be one of the fastest rebuilds that I've ever seen. And it's something that Rangers fans better appreciate because this is if the Rangers make the playoffs this season, there's no way Jeff Gordon doesn't win GM of the year. This is this is an incredible work so far from Jeff Gordon. Yeah, he's been incredible. And and the funny thing about Jim Benning and Jeff Gordon is I feel like they both believe that they're in the same stage as like the heavy lifting on the rebuild is done. You know, after signing Panarin, after trading for Truba, the Rangers are on the upswing. Benning, while he's not really, he doesn't have the track record to have that assumption, he's operating in the same way by trading a first-rounder for JT Miller, by overpaying for Tyler Myers, by doing things like this. And, yeah, you're just looking at two completely different guys, even though they think that they're probably in the same position right now. Kind of laughable from a Canucks perspective. It's not good. If you're, Van- if you're a Vancouver fan and you take a look at what Jim Benning has done, you can't be confident in this team. JT Miller, while a great addition to the team, again, gave up a first-round pick to a cap-crunch team for him, which doesn't make any sense. Tampa Bay needed to get rid of that contract, and you not only let them do that, you also gave them a a big uh, big piece down the road if they uh, if they need to trade it or if they you know hold on to it and draft, and that could be unprotected in 2021 if you're still not good by then they're looking at a potentially top five top 10 pick so that is huge for tampa bay and tyler myers i mean just be glad that he didn't get more money the rumors were that he was going to get seven million per year eight million per year he got six per year which isn't good he's a five or a six defenseman at best i i don't want him playing in my top four and if you're paying your fifth or sixth defenseman $6 million, well, then there's a problem. Just because he's tall doesn't mean he's good at hockey. Hey, This is 
it shouldn't be difficult to understand, but I guess for some people uh, in the hockey world, it is for some reason, one way or the other. You 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 watch Chara play, and you think, oh well, he he's tall. He can use his size. Yeah, because Chara actually knows how to use his size to to his advantage. Tyler Myers can't. He's just tall. And equating Chara to Myers because both are tall players uh, is not the smart way to go about things. Well, it's funny how Jim Benning in his press conference when he introduced Myers, one of the first things he said about him was, "Well, he's tall. He's six foot eight. One of the one of the best traits about Tyler Myers, you know, it's the long neck, Andrew. You know, I think maybe Jim Benning should just sucker for the long neck. You know, he just he thinks he can see better on the ice. You know, the neck turns a bit faster. But I, I don't know, man. I think Quinn Hughes has a pretty short neck, and I think it's going to be much better than Tyler Myers. But the thing about Jim Benning, we mentioned it earlier in this episode, is a lot of his moves. You know, Brandon Sutter, Louis Erickson, Erica Brent, and they weren't moves that signified a rebuilding team. Like, I look at the Rangers, and even, you know, two years before they released this letter, I really think, you know, the first rebuilding move by Jeff Gordon was probably trading for Mika Zibanejad. He traded an aging Derek Brassard, who had one good year in, in Ottawa, but has since gone downhill, for Zibanejad, who's arguably the number one center with the Rangers right now, had a great season last year. Like, for me, like, it's just moves like that, you know? Like, that's when the rebuild really started. Uh, he wasn't, you know, overpaying guys. I think Shattenkirk, you know, I, I think you give him a pass there because Shattenkirk was a lot better. I don't think people expected him to, to fall off this much. But I, what, what would you say about that, Andrew? Do you, like, what kind of moves was he making beforehand, you know, before he even released the letter? Like, this rebuild was uh, started from uh, early days of Jeff Gordon, no? I mean, I people also forget that he not only got Zabinajad for Broussard, he also got a second-round pick in that deal. So he completely fleeced Ottawa in that transaction. I mean, Broussard was was uh, coming off a pretty solid season for the Rangers at that point. So he wasn't the Broussard that we know today, July 4th. Uh, for me, it's July 4th. For you, not not quite. Uh, but he was coming off in a, a pretty solid season. And the, some Rangers fans were even upset that he was traded at that point because he was doing so well. Uh He's also, right now, he's not even signed yet, which is pretty surprising, to, to be honest with you. Uh, and that was that was a complete steal for the Rangers. The Shattenkirk deal wasn't, it still isn't too bad because he was only signed for four seasons. Yeah, the AAV is a little high at 6.65 mil per. But at the end of the day, his first season as a Ranger, he was playing hurt the whole time because AV loves playing his players when they're not a hundred percent for whatever reason. And he played, he, he played through it, but he wasn't himself. And then last season we saw stretches of play where he was getting back to his old self glimpses, but still not yet fully recuperated from that previous year of playing while he's injured. So I really want to see how he plays this season. He's good. He's 30 years old. So He's not 34, but he's also not 25. So there's this this season is going to be very telling as to whether or not uh, Kevin Shattenkirk might return to at least sort of to the player that he once was uh, in St. Louis. But uh, from the from a signing perspective, it was only a four year deal. So the AAV might have been a little bit high, but at the end of the day. It could have been six. It could have been seven, and it wasn't. So from that perspective, Jeff Gordon, while kind of overpaid a little bit for him, could have been a lot worse. 
Could have been a lot worse. And again, he hasn't really made any really egregious moves. You know, I think Jeff Gordon's always been pretty smart in his movements. And, you know, another big rebuilding move as well was trading Antti Ranta and Derek Stefan for the seventh overall pick. That's a move a rebuilding team makes. And, you know, when we look at these two GMs, these two different rebuilds, a successful one and a failed one, you look at what the Rangers did, they acquired picks, and they acquired a lot of them. And they used that, those picks for leverage to get better players, such as a, a Jacob Truba. No, Jim Benning has never done any of that. You know, supposed a draft guru. You know, we've this is the first year in Vancouver in his tenure that they've had more than seven picks in a round, and most of them were fifth, sixth round picks. You know, that's the only reason they have more than seven. And they traded away a third in that draft too. So, you know, I think it's no secret, right? You got to trade for picks. You can't make dumb moves. And look what the Rangers have done, man. They're in a position to, I think, make the playoffs next year. And what do you think, man? Do you think the Rangers are making the playoffs next year, Andrew? Are you drinking the Kool-Aid there? I mean, you would think that if they do make it, like I said in the beginning of the episode, if Jeff Gordon takes this team to the playoffs and he's going to win GM of the year, there's no question about it. It really hinges on the rest of the moves uh, moving forward and also the goaltending. So right now with Hank, uh, he's still locked up for two more seasons he's 37 you have Georgiev in net who's very solid for the most part but you also have Shesterkin who just came over from Russia he's supposed to be the next coming of Lundqvist so now what do you do with three goaltenders is is Shesterkin get a play in the AHL for a little bit uh to get his grip uh on the on the North American game or is he gonna step in the NHL right away that's one question that I have and you know, because Lundqvist obviously doesn't go any- anywhere, so you're going to have to compete for that second goalie spot unless you want to rotate three goalies, in which case I don't know if that's something that David Quinn wants to do. But in terms of other moves, you still, you know, you, you have eight. Rangers have just over $8 million in cap space. They have a few uh, RFAs that they need to resign, including Jacob Truba. I don't know what kind of AAV he's going to demand, but probably around a six and a half, maybe seven mil uh around that range per year which might be a little bit overpaying but again Jacob Trouba is a very good defenseman and they and Rangers traded a black hole in Neil Pionk uh for Jacob Trouba it was Neil Pionk watching his game it was it was abysmal there was no other way to put it as a defenseman he could not play his position well and Jacob Trouba can so that move was fantastic for the Rangers it was a complete steal and they traded back Winnipeg's first-round pick, which they acquired in the Kevin Hayes deal. So Winnipeg got like 20 games of Kevin Hayes, and you know the Rangers basically got uh, Brendan Lemieux and Jacob Truba for 20 games of Kevin of Kevin Hayes and Neil Pionk. So that's a huge steal for the Rangers. Again, another one of Jeff Gordon's amazing moves. And you also have Anthony D'Angelo with a uh, he's an RFA, which Nevich is an RFA, Lemieux an RFA. So you have $8 million of cap space. I do think that Mastikov is going to get moved at some point. He has a $4 million contract for just this season. It's over at the end of this season. But uh, but you have to make room somewhere, somehow. And with Capo coming in, with Panarin coming in, you you need to find holes to, to plug these players in. And I feel like with Nemestikov, I mean, $4 million isn't a lot, but Nemestikov is, is one of those players that he, you can't play him on the fourth line. If you're paying him $4 million. So I feel like before the season starts, he's going to be moved somewhere either for a, a middle prospect or maybe a, a third round pick or maybe a second round pick. I don't know what the market is for him, uh, but the Rangers got a third round pick for Jimmy VC and he is 
okay offensively and defensively as a black hole also. So he can't he can't play defense, uh, you know, at all. Basically, he was not good uh, when he was away from the puck. And for the Rangers' playoff hopes, it really just it really hinges on one what they're going to do with the goaltending situation right now, and two they still need probably a fourth line center. Uh, TS said a couple of days ago, I was watching uh, I was watching the, the the July 1st coverage. They were talking about how the Rangers were interested in a Brian Boyle reunion. So if he wants a, a league minimum 700k or around there one year contract to play on the fourth line, I'd be I'd be very much down to bring him back. But if he wants, you know, more than that, then probably we'll pass on that, considering uh, the Rangers need probably a, a cheap contract to fill out the fourth line. And if Brian Boyle doesn't want that, well, then I guess they have to look elsewhere. But in terms of the playoffs, I mean, they're in a good spot. They are in a good spot. It remains to be seen whether or not uh, it'll all come together this season. Definitely next season, I, I would think. But it, I, I mean, my hopes are up. I'm, op- I'm optimistic, but it remains to be seen. You know what, Andrew? I'm just gonna call it right now. I think the Rangers are making the playoffs. Uh, and, and again, when you're talking about the holes on this team, you're talking about a backup goal. You're talking about a fourth line center. Um, a lot of hinges on how these young guys are gonna do, right? There's tons of young guys in this team. You know, obviously, Capo Caco is a big one, but even guys like you know Brett Howden, like you said, Brandon Lemieux, Pavel Buchnevich, Philip Hedl. A lot of youth on this team, but there's a ton of potential. And I think that Metro division is an absolute wild card right now. I think outside of, you know, Washington, Pittsburgh, who I'd, I'd say are, are still locked to make the playoffs. Uh, th- those other six teams, to me, like any of them can make the playoffs. Like there's there's some competition there for sure. But I'm called right now, Chilney. Your New York Rangers are making the playoffs next season. And uh, I hope you enjoy it, man, because I don't have the Canucks making the playoffs next season. <laughs> I mean, that'd be great. Also, they need a second round. They need a second line center. Because uh, Benjamin is obviously, obviously the number one center. Philip Hedl, I'm not sure if he's ready enough to be the second line center. And if you look at center depth beyond that, it's Ryan Strom and Brett Howden. Uh, Leas Anderson is playing the wing. I mean, I, I guess he could play center, but I'm not sure if he's capable enough today to play second line center as well. So they are pretty weak at center on July 4th. Maybe, you know, this time next season, it'll be a whole different conversation with Heedle another with another year of experience under his belt, with Anderson with a year experience under his belt, and maybe they can fill out this, the, the middle spots. But as of right now, Zabinajad number one, but the 2C is kind of a question mark. And you need a, and you need a, a reliable 2C to not only make the playoffs, but be anything in the playoffs i mean you could you can make it but but then what you know what i mean so they they need someone to step up or i i mean if they're buyers at the deadline which i don't think will happen but if they are then they'll be in the market for a two-line center which again it really hinges on uh what they're looking for because if they want a if they want an expiring ufa as a rental that's one thing because again, Heedle's a center. Uh, Anderson is potentially a center. Brett Howden's a center, and you're banking on these young guys unless you you want to trade one of them, which I don't think would make a whole lot of sense to the Rangers right now. So that that's a big hole for the Rangers is is two line center. But but you take a look at their top six: Panarin, Zabinajad, and Kako, Kreider, and maybe Heedle. 
and and Kravtsov or or uh, or Buchnevich, and you've got a pretty solid top six. So, but but the the center does need some some bolstering. But other than that, even the even the defensive pairings, you know, with Shea and Truba, D'Angelo and Adam Fox now, who's a fantastic player from what I've heard. Kevin Shattenkirk, and if Mark Stahl is playing the six D spot, I mean that's fine. I I wouldn't play Mark Stahl any higher than that. But if he want if he could be an okay six defenseman. Not like he's going anywhere with that contract, so you have to play him somewhere, I guess. He's making five point seven for the next two seasons, so you have to play him somewhere. And if if he's your six D, then that's that's fine. So the Rangers are are in pretty good shape. They do need some center help this season if they want a real shot at the playoffs here. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point you bring up there. But you know, the pieces are in place, and and like we said before, when you're a rebuilding team and you do it successfully, like the Rangers have done, you build assets too. They are in a position of strength with a lot of good young players who they could theoretically flip a couple of them for you know uh, a more bona fide center. That's an option too, if uh, Gordon wants to go in that direction. Um, one of the things that I've really liked about the the Rangers rebuild, uh, Andrew, before before we wrap it up here on Silk and Filthy. I always find ownership to be such a crazy thing. And the, with the Canucks, we always talk about the Aquilinis and their tampering, their meddling. We mentioned it earlier in this episode. It seems like with the Rangers, it, it's very hands-off. But I can't wait to get your comments on this because the same group that owns the Rangers owns the New York Knicks, one of the most maligned franchises in the NBA. Uh, James Dolan, he he's like public enemy number one for Knicks fans. So t- tell me a bit about... The ownership group with the Rangers, how it's affected their work, and maybe about this this whole situation in New York in general. Yeah, I mean, Jimmy Dolan, he owns two teams. He owns the Rangers and the Knicks. And the one team that he does meddle in is a complete disgrace and joke of the league. And the other team that he doesn't meddle in that he owns uh, is doing really well for themselves. Well, gee, well, I, I, I wonder which team, uh, you know, which team that he does meddle in isn't doing that great. Well, of course it's the Knicks. He he can't just leave the people that he hired to do their jobs. It, he has to meddle. He has to be the center of everything. And it, it obviously is to his detriment, the team's detriment, everybody's detriment that he always meddles and he, and he just does things that don't make any sense. And... That's why the Knicks are, well, the biggest reason anyway that the Knicks are a laughing stock of the NBA. I'm a Knicks fan, and it's it's come down to the point where I've seen a lot of social media push to, to make, to force Dolan to sell the team, which will never happen, but it's it's a joke. It is, Jimmy Dolan, I mean, he he has to stop meddling. If he wants to be the owner, that's one thing, but you, you, he has to stop tinkering with everything and let people do their jobs properly with hockey right with basketball he thinks that he knows the sport so that he could quote-unquote medal because he knows what he what he's doing which is is not true but for the rangers perspective he doesn't know hockey that well so for him he's kind of he's very hands-off and he lets people that he hired run the team which is exactly what you're supposed to do and what do you know? The team that he doesn't meddle in, oh, well, the people that he hired to do their jobs, well, they're doing it well. And now the Rangers are in position to potentially fight for a playoff spot this season after sending out a letter that they're tanking 18 months ago. So 
it's 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 a Jekyll and Hyde almost situation where on one end of the spectrum he's not doing anything and the team is doing very well. On the other end of the spectrum, he's doing everything. He's trying to do everything, and the team is going nowhere. It's a dumpster fire. It's a it, and they're the laughing stock of the NBA. And we've seen it this offseason. We're going to see it next offseason. We're going to see it every offseason until Jimmy Dolan finally decides, hey, maybe it's me and lets the people that he hired do their job well. Will that ever happen? Probably not. But as a Knicks fan, I can hope. Well, the other double-edged sword as a Knicks fan is, you know, maybe if he he sells the Knicks, maybe he pours all his focus into the Rangers, man. How how do you feel about that? (laughs) Uh, If he does that, then uh, he can keep the Knicks. (laughs) You have to choose, Andrew. He can can keep both organizations if he wants, but here's the thing. You could be an owner, just don't meddle in day-to-day operations. Don't be the shadow GM. You hired a general manager for a reason. Let them be the general manager. Don't try to be the the puppeteer here and just let the the general managers do their jobs which i don't i don't understand why that's so difficult and and you know i'm not an owner uh you're not an owner so we can't see what it what it feels like to be an owner if we are uh super fans of a team and we get in, into a situation where we could potentially own that team i'm sure we would love to to you know, put in our input to the general manager or or say, hey, maybe you should go get it, you know, this guy or that guy or whoever, but probably shouldn't tinker to the extent that Jimmy Dolan to Jimmy Dolan has. And not only that, with the I mean, with the Charles Oakley thing, with just the the stuff that he does, not even pertaining to, to the team per se, just everything else, it just all just combines into this one mess that is the New York Knicks. And until he either decides to sell a team, which won't happen, or to just say, hey, let me let me let them do their job. And we'll see what happens. And when that day comes in a thousand years, uh, maybe the Knicks will be good. But as of now, I'm not holding out any hope. So, Andrew, what I'm hearing is that if the Canucks are going to be successful, what the Aquilines need to do is buy an, an NBA team, bring the Grizzlies back, and then pour all their focus into that so that they won't tamper with the Canucks. Is that the only recipe for success in Vancouver? <laughs> well, you know what? That's that's what we mentioned earlier too, right? Uh, the Aquilines, they chose what they wanted to hear. Mike Gillis pitched the rebuild to them uh, before he got fired. It wasn't what they wanted to hear. Jim Benning told them what they wanted to hear, right? So... Uh, it does come down from the top sometimes, but right now it seems like Jeff Gordon is the head honcho with the Rangers, and it seems to be working and just fine for you guys. Yeah, I if you take a look at how the Bruins built their Stanley Cup champion team back then, when Jeff Gordon was a part of the Bruins, he was the one that built the biggest names. You have you have the Lucic, you have the Char. He was the one that brought these guys in to the team, and he he was the the unsung hero of the of that eventual championship run and then when he came over to the rangers it, it, and he and then he became the general manager after uh after glenn sather became president and let jeff run the team basically uh we saw all of this 
all of these dominoes go down. And now we've seen the NHL now knows, hey, Jeff Gordon is a is a very smart guy. He's a very, very formidable GM. And again, if the Rangers make the playoffs this season, which is a possibility, uh, I would pencil in GM of the year to Jeff Gordon right now. Because while other GMs have made some pretty solid moves and have tried different things, the extremely quick turnaround that has turned the Rangers from an afterthought to potential playoff team in literally 18 months, basically, I've never seen anything like it. So I would I would pencil him in as GM of the year if they make the playoffs for sure. And you know what, Andrew? He deserves it for that work in 2006, man. He had, you know, what was it, four of the most legendary months of all time with the Boston Bruins. You're right, man. It was crazy drafting Kessel, Lucic, Marchand, trading for Rask, you know, bringing Char to town. Uh, it was an unbelievable run, man. He earned, he's going to earn that GM of the year award if the Rangers make the playoffs, that's for sure. And you know what? You, you've earned a, a badge of honor for coming on this episode, man, telling us how to properly rebuild a hockey team. Uh, it's, some, it's something we know, but I think the Rangers right now are just the prime example of how to do it in the NHL. Uh, the Leafs were probably the first one of the past few years to go down this road and do it quickly. Uh, let's see if the Rangers can do the same and make the playoffs next season. For your sake, Andrew, I hope it happens, man. You and I both, man. Fingers crossed. Well, I'm, still, I'm crossing my fingers for the Knucks. You know what? I mean, uh, you, got, you guys have got us in 94. Still not over it, even if I was only one year old, you know. So, uh, But, you know, all, all, just, just all the best to you guys. That The better team did win that year. I'm sorry oh, to say. Man. Okay, well, I'm going to go cry in my beer now, Andrew. Uh, I, I, wh- I hope you're not crying. I hear you're cackling. So you enjoy the rest of your night. And thanks for joining us on Silky and Filthy. Absolutely. Anytime. A big shout-out to our boy, Andrew Chelney, the Rangers insider host of the Chell Squared podcast. He knows his Rangers, man. And you know what? He's in a good pos- uh, position right now. Uh, I know Andrew's on Canada. So, you know, we're all celebrating Canada up here. But Andrew might have been celebrating harder than us when our <laughs> Tammy Panarin signed with the was, New York man. Rangers. And don't get me wrong. Like, suddenly Panarin just puts you so far ahead, right? You know, we talk about these teams, the Canucks and the Rangers. You know, the Rangers are able to attract Panarin. The Canucks attract Tyler Myers, you know. <laughs> These teams are just on different uh, ends of yo, the spectrum man. right now. Trevor, Trevor, you're loving it, man. I, I just love it, this, man. Trevor's fucked, man. I know, man. It sucks. But, like, what can you do? There's no there's no cap room on the Canucks. They got no assets. I feel bad, bro. I feel bad for some Canuck fans because they're seeing that what could happen with smart, smart management of so many things. And <laughs> that's why they're able to say they're rebuilding and a couple years later attract the biggest free agent i know they live in new york i know they're from new york the rangers but that's why they got the cap room for it they can still build around them (laughs) they're still loaded with some ammo like they got they got moves to make and they can do it oh man canuck fans man you think they get sad every time the rangers do something I, I don't know. I think I feel like a lot of people are in our age group are kind of over because they weren't really around to experience it when it happened. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I definitely think there's a lot of disdain for the Rangers. People still can people like they were, we were celebrating this team like 25 years later uh, this year in 2019. You no, know, they didn't even win. Everyone's just like 25 year anniversary. But come on, Trevor, man. We were born the year after. We weren't even on this earth. We should have. I feel as if there should we be some attachment before, to, to connect it to the history a bit. But yeah. we I were mean, born the year before. You forget when you're born, bro. Oh, did I say the year after? Yeah. Oh, sorry, my bad. Year before, 93. Shout out 93s. Shout out to 94s too, man. 94 is a cool year. Cool 94s, a lot of yeah. things happened. <laughs> I don't know, man. The Canucks. 
Vancouver, the history of the Canucks. We talked about the slogan for the, the 50th anniversary there. <laughs> Best is yet to come. Best is the yet to come. The most honest campaign ever because it's it's just to the point and it speaks for a lot of things. Cause yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Because yeah, nothing, nothing's better than the first. Yeah, it's not the worst slogan in the world, man. What's the Rangers slogan for this season? I don't know. Um, just one more year. One more year? Yeah, just give us one more year. Nice. Not like, bad. I don't think... I think Rangers management has deserved time now because they made the smart moves. They were honest. They've built trust with their fan base. The, the Rangers are going to be good. They're going to be better. The Eastern Conference is tough. The division is tough. It's... They just got to be better. With that being said, they still got Lundqvist. They got the best player in the league. Well, not the best player in the league. Best, the best player the- in free agency. One of the better players in the league. Things could happen. Well, here, how about it this way, man? I mean, you look at both these teams. Uh, both are still considered young teams on the rise. Uh, how far they are along the rise is up for the debate. But uh, do you think either of these teams have a chance of making the playoffs next season? I mean, you look at the Pacific Division. Uh I think it's kind of wide open. I think every team does have a flaw. I think clearly there's like a handful of teams better than, than the Canucks still. Um, but the Metro, too, is a super wide open division as well. In a different way, I think the Metro is probably the most competitive. You know, Washington Pittsburgh gets their locks to the playoffs, but any of those other six teams, you know, the teams that did make the playoffs in uh, New Jersey and the Rangers obviously got better. You know, Philly maybe got better. So I don't know. It's, it's going to be a dogfight there. I'm going to tell you right now, though, I think the Rangers are going to make the playoffs. I said this to Chelney. I think the Rangers are making the playoffs, man. It's a it's a bit of a wild card. They got so many young guys still. I think they still need some help in their top six. But damn, there's a lot of excitement there. It's a lot to like as a Rangers fan. How do you assess a good rebuild? It's, is it be- becoming a playoff team or becoming a great team? What it's, become, team is, it's becoming a great team. What team is closer to becoming great? The Rangers or the Canucks? I'd probably say the Rangers. Okay, what team has the but who's better? Panarin or Pedersen? Right now, Panarin. But Pedersen could be better. Mm-hmm. I think Pedersen will be better, actually. Pump EP is tired. And, and superstar power is a big thing, man. Quinn it is. Hughes, it's a huge thing. Tons of th- tons of hype behind him as well. He looks like an absolute stud. So we'll see how he does. I mean, if he's a star, then it changes yeah. the game too. Like Winnipeg doesn't have a star on defense. I say Panarin's is their only bona fide star right now. But Zibanejad is a hell of a player. I think Kako's going to be a star. Yeah. That's already a dangerous top. Like that's a dangerous looking it, offense. It's again. This is this is this great conversation because they've done it differently. They've done it differently. I would have gone the, the Rangers route and and the Canucks what they've done is is just a lot of contradiction. There's no there's no connection with the fan base because they've been so dishonest. Dishonest because they say one thing like they need to rebuild and then months later they're talking about accelerating, you know, speeding it up. It makes no sense at all. Whereas in New York the Rangers management told them one thing and they stuck to that one thing where, where trust is built. So it's 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 funny because we're 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 still talking about two bad teams. Yeah. Yeah. They're not they're not the cream of the crop. They're not really close to it. We're just talking about who's who's closest. And I, I do think the Rangers are closest too because they still got assets. They got cap room. The Canucks are really the Canucks are a bad the Canucks are a real bad team and they have a lot of money being being wasted right now. Wasted. We're talking upwards of $15 million being wasted. <laughs> and every team has bad contracts, too. I th- I'm sure the Rangers would love to get out of uh, Mark Stahls and Kevin Shattenkirk's. But at the end of the day, they're still at least useful players for them. Uh, the Canucks with... Is Shattenkirk a useful, useful player? I don't watch a lot of Rangers games. I, I see Chelney always chirp him. Yeah, I, I do think he's gone downhill quite a bit, but he's still an effective guy on the power play. 
He still probably locked to put up 30 Are points. Are his fancy stats looking that way? Uh, yeah, they don't, they don't look great. They don't look great? Not a good so possession guy. He's a good player, a man. soft in his own end. Okay. No, he puts up the points. Think Tyler Myers, but small. You ever you see that um, Pierre Maguire tweet, a uh, no, quote about how fancy stats, I'm paraphrasing her. Yeah, no, yeah, he said recently game? that basically that fantasy stats were ruining the game. And he didn't talk to those guys because those guys were Is that weren't, exactly weren't what he said? Are we, are we yeah, it's basically, yeah, no, 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 that's what he said. A lot of the, the community was so mad. I'm not, it. I'm not big into fancy stats. I haven't really taken the time to learn about them a lot. I don't think they matter as much as as the other intangibles that are in the game for the, like the people that have played, the athletes that have played the game. You know, because they, they know. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. at the end of the day, they know. But I get it. The metrics, the you know science hey man like, like we all said this stuff like we said at the beginning of this episode man sometimes in the summer you gotta get a little education going on man yeah maybe i should you do gotta that. work the mind so you know what we've talked about rebuilding today maybe you need to get into fancy stats i mean uh betting says he's got a fancy stats guy but signing suggests otherwise so that's why he says it <laughs> yeah because <laughs> if he said he was then he, he'd look like an idiot yeah it's like, oh, we have a, like we have a great idiot, stats guy and stuff but oh. you know these guys are just gonna be I can't real believe good in the trevor room. over the over this year has become such a you know i don't know man i feel You're bad say negative, credit, man. i mean I, I, i'm just realistic man that's all oh shit it's calling okay, like i see it hey, hey i gotta okay. say man okay. I, i'm excited to see okay. both these i'm excited to watch both these teams next season i'm super excited to watch the rangers and i i am really pumped to watch Who gets the Canucks. more points panarin or Pedersen? oh man i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with Pedersen, man i'm gonna be a homer on this one who gets more I feel points? big year from Pedersen. truba or hughes Truba. That's good that you said that. I feel like a lot of people in Vancouver, you know, they like to uh, praise their players, which is cool, their fans, but they, they put them on another level sometimes. Yeah. Truba's a good player. He's good with the puck too. I think there's I think there's a chance, wild card, if I had money laying around, you know, if we get more streams and stuff like that, if we get if there's money laying around, <laughs> so I'm, get filthy. I might put some money on him winning the Norse. Yeah, he could be a Dark Horse Norse guy too with, with an increased role there as well. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, I, I could see Hughes being a 40 point player like he's got that kind of skill mm -hmm. i could see truba being a 55 60 point player in that situation he's already a 50 point guy if the canucks make the playoffs will Pedersen be you know mvp worthy let's make predictions let's, let's have some fun man possibly do i want to say yes right now put the pressure on the kid he can handle it though i'll say it right now elias Pedersen can handle it he's yeah, got the swagger definitely. he's got the demeanor he he's confident dude and he's working. Yeah, I guarantee this guy's working right now. Yeah. He loves the game. MVP, eh? I'm not going to go that far for next season, but I do think, yeah, you know what? He's probably, his name is mentioned in that conversation if the Canucks make the playoffs, but he's not the MVP. If the Rangers make the playoffs, is Panarin an MVP candidate? Is Pos he that good? Possibly. I, I, think, I think there's some winger bias too. Like he'd really have to be. He'd have Kucherov, to be better than Marshawn. He'd have to be better than Kucherov. He'd have to be better than Hall. Like he'd have to be like up at that level of McKinnon too. I think but he can do it, it though. He can, he can do, do it. it. Yeah, he can do Two it. Two stars, man. Uh, you know what? The league's all about star power. Um, and there's rebuilding's another story to build a good team, but you know, star power at the top does bring excitement to the game of hockey, man. Let's let's get out of here. Let's have some excitement, man, for our summer. Hope you enjoyed this episode on rebuilding. You know what? We got a couple more episodes on this summer tell, tour for Silicon Valley. Tell them about the next episode, man. The next one, we're just going to call it this, man. Howling for ineptitude, man. Howling for ineptitude. Talking about the Arizona Coyotes. 
the debacle that's gone down there, and then shedding some light, seeing if there's any hope for hockey in Arizona. Because we think it's sunshine, man, so we're going down Who to said, Arizona. I don't think it's sunshine. No, it's Arizona, man. What are you oh, talking about? Come like that. on. Come oh, okay. On, oh, you trying to... Okay. Come on. You got that. I don't think go. it's sunny over there, hockey-wise. No, maybe not hockey-wise. Maybe there's some light now, man. Phil Kessel in the picture, man. Hot dog Phil. Let's go, baby. <laughs> Last question before we get out of here. If the Phoenix Coyote or the Arizona Coyotes make the playoffs, is Phil Kessel an MVP candidate? <laughs> no, man. There's too That's much what this world too needs. Much bias Phil, Phil Kessel, Kessel for the heart? I'm up for it, man. I hope so. I if hope I had so. money laying around... I would do it. A hundred bucks on Phil Kessel winning the heart. Why not? How yeah. else would they do it? Phil Kessel for the heart. Heard it here first on Silky and Filthy. We're off for a hot dog and a beer, and we'll catch you filthy bastards next time. <laughs>